Hello everyone and welcome to the Agios Dose. My name is Bill Dykstra. Today is May 22nd and we commemorate the Second Decumanical Council. So I know we talked about the Council of Nicaea before, it taking place in 325, being convened by Constantine, and it addressing Arianism, uh, Arianism, uh, the belief which basically stated that Christ was just a creature. And so it, the Council was based on, it, the, I, the notion of the Council was to flesh out the idea of Christ's relationship, the Son's relationship to the Father. Now, in 381, they're still facing Arianism, they're still facing problems with scriptural interpretation, this time pertaining to the Holy Spirit. Now, this isn't like a theology podcast or anything like that. It's a podcast on the saints, but there have always been saints who have been um, in the, in, in, involved in the activity of the councils. So what I thought I would do today was share with you something written by one of my favorite saints, it is something from St. Basil the Great on the Holy Spirit. So I'm not, I'm not going to talk too much about Basil the Great himself. He is one of, again, like I said, he's one of my favorites. He is, um, his influence in the church is indisposable, but he's also funny. Like when you actually read his letters and you kind of understand the kind of like different things he got involved with at certain times, he was a funny guy. And, um, and when we get to him, I'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, that's just a tease for, I guess, January 1st is the, is the Feast of St. Basil. So you have to wait until then to hear about St. Basil again. But uh, if you're interested, look him up. But I'll be reading from chapter 9. It's entitled, Distinct Thoughts on the Holy Spirit Following the Teachings of the Scriptures. So let's begin. Let us examine now our general ideas about the Holy Spirit, those that are gathered about him for us from Holy Scripture together with those that we have received from the non-scriptural tradition of the fathers. What sort of ideas are they? First then, who is not lifted up in his soul and who does not raise his thoughts to the highest nature when he hears the names of the Spirit? For he is called the Spirit of God. Spirit of truth, who comes forth from the Father, Spirit of righteousness, and directing Spirit. He is rightfully and properly called Holy Spirit, which is above all the name for everything incorporeal, purely immaterial, and indivisible. On account of this, the Lord taught the woman who thought that God was worshipped in a particular place that what does not have a body cannot be circumscribed. God, he said, is Spirit. Therefore, whoever hears spirit cannot impress on his mind a circumscribed nature, or one subject to changes or alterations, or one at all similar to creation. Rather, he must advance to the highest heights in his thoughts and conceive of a necessary intellectual substance that is infinite in power, unlimited in greatness, immeasurable by time or ages, and generous with the goods that it has. Everything that needs holiness turns to him. All that live virtuously desire him as they are watered by his inspiration and assisted towards their proper and natural end. He perfects others, but himself lacks nothing. He lives, but not because he has been restored to life. Rather, he is the source of life. He does not grow in strength gradually, but is complete all at once. He is established in himself and present everywhere. 
He is the source of holiness, an intellectual light for every rational power's discovery of truth, supplying clarity, so to say, through himself. He is inaccessible in nature, but approachable in goodness. He fills all things with power, but only those who are worthy to participate in him. He is not participated in all at once, but shares his energy in, quote, proportion to faith, Romans 12.6. He is simple in substance, but manifold in powers. He is present as a whole to each and wholly present everywhere. He is proportioned out passively and participated in as a whole. He is like a sunbeam whose grace is present to the one who enjoys him as if he were present to such a one alone, and still he illuminates land and sea and is mixed with the air. Just so indeed the Spirit is present to each one who is fit to receive him, as if he were present to him alone, and still he sends out grace that is complete and sufficient for all. The things that participate in him enjoy him to the extent that their nature allows, not to the extent that his power allows. Now the kingship of the spirit with the soul is not a matter of nearness and place, for how can one come near to the bodiless in a bodily manner? Rather, it is a matter of separation from the passions which come into the soul afterwards because of its love of the flesh, and which deprived it of its kingship with God. So, after it was cleansed from the shame which tarnished it through wickedness, and after it returned to its natural beauty, and, as it were, restored the ancient form to its royal image by cleansing, only then can it draw near to the paraclete. Just like the sun, he will use the eye that has been cleansed to show you in himself the image of the invisible, and in the blessed vision of the image you will see the unspeakable beauty of the archetype. Through this comes the ascent of hearts, the guidance of the weak, and the perfection of those making progress. The Spirit illuminates those who have been cleansed from every stain and makes them spiritual by means of communion with himself. When a ray of light falls upon clear and translucent bodies, they are themselves filled with light and gleam with a light from themselves. Just so they are the spirit-bearing souls that are illumined by the Holy Spirit, they are themselves made spiritual, and they send forth, great, send forth grace to others. Thence comes foreknowledge of the future, understanding of mysteries, apprehension of secrets, distribution of graces, heavenly citizenship, the chorus with angels, unending joy, remaining in God, kingship with God, and the highest object of desire becoming God. Such, then, are a few from the many of our thoughts on the Holy Spirit that we have been taught by the very words of the Spirit about the greatness, His dignity, and His energies. Now we must advance against those who contradict us and who attempt to prove the opposite positions opposed to us, quote, from the knowledge falsely so called. 1 Timothy 6.20 Thank you very much for listening. Let me know if you enjoyed today's reading of On the Holy Spirit by St. Basil. It was a little different from what I typically do, but nonetheless, thank you very much for listening. This has been your daily dose of Agios. St. Basil the Great 
and the fathers of the Second Ecumenical Council pray for us.